We're going to turn now to God's word, and we have brought our praises and our prayers before the Lord, and now we turn to the Lord in scripture. If you have a Bible, you can turn uh, with me to Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, but I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the nations, kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, I'm not sure how many of you uh, watched cartoons when you were younger, but I watched a few too many when I was a kid. And one of the common images that would show up, whether it was from uh, the Mickey Mouse cartoons with Pluto the dog or Tom the cat who was chasing Jerry the mouse, Fred Flintstone, even to modern day Homer Simpson, is that of a, a decision, a temptation where the character has an angel and a devil on their shoulder. And in one ear, the angel is saying, don't do that, don't do that. And the devil is saying, do it, do it. And the battle goes on until the character decides whether to squish out the angel or the devil and follow either the good or the bad choice. We get to this point in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And in many ways, it's hard. Maybe, maybe we don't actually conjure up that imagery. But in some ways, we think um, we're praying that we will follow the angel and not the devil. That cartoon imagery from, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate this. So as we look at this portion of the Lord's Prayer this morning, what I want to do is I want to first define temptation, as I think Jesus is indicating what he means here. Second, to have a better understanding of that phrase, deliver us from evil, specifically what is meant by evil and what's behind it. And then lastly, why I think we have no reason to fear that things like praying don't, you know, keep us from temptation and deliver us from evil sound a little bit scary, but I think Jesus was saying there is no reason to fear. So the first thing is uh, we pray that prayer, lead us not into temptation. And we have to understand what's behind that word, what's behind that phrase, what, what is Jesus getting at there? Because we instantly go to certain thoughts, but the word temptation um, is more often translated or is very often translated trial. It is a time of testing. 
often of suffering. It's a proving ground. So um, if you're trying to make the high school basketball team, you are in a time of trial or temptation as it's being used here. When you're in a class and you get to midterms or final exams, what the teacher, the professor is doing is testing you to see if you will stand up, if you know the information. It's the same word that would be used here, temptation. So a time of trial or testing to prove the metal, the, the standard of the thing. And if we really want to understand it, we look at Jesus' own life and the places and times when he was tempted. In Matthew chapter 4, which we just read, before Jesus begins his ministry, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, leads him into the wilderness. Okay, so it's God leading him into the wilderness for a time of testing. And while he's there, it says the devil, the tempter, Satan, comes to tempt him. And basically the temptation was to go to find another way to achieve God the Father's kingdom purposes. Like, take it in your own hands. Um, you can do miracles for your own good or throw yourself off of this temple in Jerusalem and everyone will believe in you. It'll be much easier than, than what you think is in front of you, Jesus. Or just bow down and worship me. I'll give you all the kingdoms. You'll have the kingdom now. So it was to do, uh, to accomplish what he, what maybe Jesus would be thinking of as God's purposes, but in a way that was not God's way and ultimately therefore wasn't God's purposes. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is under incredible testing. And the idea that he's praying, take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as you will, is a prayer of temptation or trial. He wants another way besides the cross, besides forsakenness. So will he give in and go another way? In the middle of that, the beginning and end of his ministry, is Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus tells the disciples, I am going to Jerusalem and there the religious leaders will arrest me. They're going to reject me and I'm going to be crucified. And Peter, Peter says, Lord, if that's the case, let's, let's not go to Jerusalem. Let's go another way. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, tempter. You're trying to get me to go another way, to achieve God's kingdom purposes another way. So for Jesus, in Matthew 4, 16, and 26, beginning, middle, and end of the book, the temptation has to do with the cross itself. Would Jesus go towards the cross, towards forsakenness? Would he still do God's kingdom purposes, God the Father's way? For us, temptation or trial is also about the cross, his cross, not ours. So in other words, what I'm suggesting is when Jesus says, lead us not to temptation, it's not primarily about avoiding being bad or trying not to do the things you feel guilty about the next day. So it's not primarily about curbing your jealousy or feeling bad that you drank too much last night or trying to avoid pornography or lust or your temper or your vanity or your selfishness. These are very real, very real issues and very real disobedience of God's purposes for us. They should be confronted. They should be confessed and turned from. But when Jesus says, lead us not to temp temptation, he's actually going a level below that. So we're thinking very often in that phrasing about our cough 
and Jesus is dealing with the virus that's underneath the cough. So it's a prayer that has to do with the cross and with Christ. And what will we do with Christ? And what are we doing with Jesus when it matters most? In other words, will we follow God? Will we follow God's agenda and not ours when it's very easy to not follow God's? In Matthew 26, in the upper room at the Last Supper, and in Gethsemane, there's a connection that Jesus makes for the disciples. He says, you will all fall away on account of me. And then later on, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he finds the disciples asleep and he says, pray that you will not be tempted to fall, to, that you will not fall away. So there's a link between temptation and falling away. In other words, abandoning or denying Jesus. So the temptation that we're being, that's being talked about is not necessarily just the bad things we do. It's the, the disbelief and denial or redefining of Jesus underneath. So the temptation for us is on one level is actually to deny Jesus. And maybe not necessarily like Peter, but basically decide Jesus doesn't really matter to us or isn't really the son of God, didn't really rise from the dead. Maybe he's a good religious leader. That's a fundamental trial temptation that every human being lives with. What do you do with Jesus? But a second is a second temptation that's in that same vein is to define Jesus on our own terms. It's to say, I feel like I'm okay with this thing. Therefore, Jesus must be too. So whatever it is that I feel my conscience feels okay about, we define Jesus as okay with what we are doing. Or it's to confuse my agenda with God's or to buy into somebody else's agenda instead of God's. And in that sense, to redefine Jesus on my own terms. We can do this with our politics or with what we do with our money, deciding surely this is what Jesus is about without actually understanding who God is and letting God define who he is. So when we pray, lead me not into temptation, lead us not to temptation, it is a prayer that's basically, may I lift up Jesus and Jesus alone in my life. May I follow the way of the cross and live for God's kingdom purposes and not my own. Starting there, the other things fall in place. So first, temptation is that trial to redefine, abandon, Jesus and live out our own purposes. Secondly, what is evil? And what does it mean when it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? The, the word evil there is um, more literally the evil one. So basically what it's saying is Satan and the devil. And for modern people, that's a weird sounding thing because we think, okay, do we really believe in that devil and the angel on the shoulders of Fred Flintstone or Homer Simpson? Is that what we're really believing in? Do we believe in that? The Bible is very clear that yes, there is, there is spiritual evil and spiritual good. But Satan himself, the, the kind of personification or lead uh, demonic power is called the liar, the accuser, the tempter. And that's essentially what the devil and Satan mean. They mean 
somebody who accuses you or accuses falsely, who makes up lies, um, who tries to get you to fall. Now, most modern people fall into the category of making too little of the spiritual realm and spiritual evil. Everything has to be physical or material. I have to be able to observe it and prove it. And so um, they will find a, a, a reason, an observable reason for every single thing. And yet there are some things that they can't account for. Some Christians, however, on the other side, make too much of spiritual evil, um, looking for it under every single issue going on in life. That the reason you didn't get a parking space was because of Satan, instead of just a lot of people happen to be at that shopping center. And I think there is a, an error of both, either making too little of spiritual evil or making too much of it. C.S. Lewis put it so profoundly and clearly, as he often does, in the preface to his book, The Screwtape Letters. This is what C.S. Lewis writes. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the devils, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. So let me give you an example. If we look at an issue like urban poverty and crime and failing schools and some of the issues that have gone on in urban uh, parts of the country for decades, it, some people in our culture would answer that what's at, what's at the root the issue? What needs to be solved? And they would say the issues are social and systemic. We need to solve social and corporate and systemic issues of injustice and, and poverty. Others would point to personal and moral. And they would say people need to, to take ownership of their own lives and they need, to, they need to get themselves out of these things. It's personal and moral. It's social and systemic. Christianity would say, yes, of course, it's, it's both of those things. It is emotional and psychological and moral. It is also social and systemic and corporate. And, and it's spiritual. Because the answers of the side that would say it's just personal or it's definitely social falls short. It misses out on the fact that there are spiritual issues that are underneath of all things. So Christianity has the most balanced approach. It looks at the personal and moral, the social and systemic, and things like evil and spiritual brokenness. Because basically it looks at the fall. It looks at the fall. Evil and the fall are tied. Christianity believes that there are spiritual forces that as a result of the fall, Genesis chapter three, are, are fallen spiritual forces. Jesus is constantly, not constantly, but regularly battling spiritual forces of evil. He casts out uh, demons from a demon-possessed person, a man who had a legion of demons, uh, Mary Magdalene, who was possessed by the demonic. And if you enter into much of the world, you will see that this is a reality that in the West we, we seem to think doesn't exist at all. Christianity believes in a spiritual realm, that there is spiritual good and there is spiritual evil. Ephesians chapter 6 has that famous passage that says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Now, what Paul is saying there is not we don't wrestle with physical things because sometimes you're just battling another person. Sometimes your frustration is with the car who cut you off. But the brokenness and, and things that are deeper are also spiritual, that there is layers of our emotion, of our intellect, of our person, of social, of corporate, of relational, and of spiritual. It is physical, it is intellectual, and it is spiritual. And there are spiritual forces that are fallen. But Christianity also holds that this world is fallen. So when we say deliver us from evil, we're not just talking about spiritual evil. We're also talking about we're in a world that is fallen and broken. And that includes evil people who do evil things. And sometimes we're on the receiving end of that. This world is filled with wars and crime and injustices that are brought about by people carrying out evil because they are fallen people. And this creation itself is fallen. And in a sense, we deal with the evil, the evils of, uh, of uh, you know, wildfires and earthquakes and floods, of cancer and viruses and things that are evil. And we too, the Bible makes clear, are fallen. And underneath of all of this is our own fallen nature. And so in James chapter 1, um, James writes about temptation and he says, each person, let no one say God is tempting me for God does not tempt people with evil, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So temptation, evil comes out of my own sinful heart. I am a fallen and sinful person. My sin nature and the depth of my fallenness is a part of the biblical narrative and the Christian story and the hope of the gospel. And I should never underestimate my capacity for evil. And so when I say deliver us from evil, I am meaning all of these things. Deliver me from the evil one, from Satan. Deliver me from the brokenness of this fallen world. Deliver me from myself. And so going back to try to put the two together, temptation and the evil one. When I'm tempted, is it more Satan or is it more me? I think that one thing to remember is this. If you read through the Bible, Satan, while a spiritual force of evil, is not as powerful as we sometimes think. Satan is not a creator. He is a mimic. He's a liar. And he distorts and encourages things that are already part of our own sinful thoughts. So a number of years back, I was reflecting on this and realized that the temptations, I'm not sure if it's my own desires jumping into what I want to do or Satan encouraging them because I'm pretty sure the voice of Satan is a lot like the voice of Johnny. It's that internal narrative when I'm thinking about myself having either self-pity or wanting to do something, and I'm pushing aside thoughts of God. And so is that my sinful self? Is that Satan encouraging? Is it a mix of both? To think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Or, I deserve this. Or, they deserve this. Is that my own sinful thoughts? Or is that Satan saying, yeah, that's a great idea? Well, if we go back to the Genesis chapter 3, it's... What the tempter, the serpent, tempts Eve, but there's a lot in there where Eve is playing the role of it's not really clear if it's Eve thinking these things and Satan saying, ah, yeah, great idea, or the other way around. The serpent says to Eve, 
did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? So he is distorting what God said. Eve says, oh, no, 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 that's not what he said. He did say, um, you, if you eat of this one tree or touch it, you'll die. So she's distorting the truth. And ultimately what's happening in this conversation between Eve and the tempter is Eve is realizing that in her heart, she thinks God is trying to keep something from her. God is withholding good from her. She looks at the tree and it looks good for, for food and it'll make her wise. Why wouldn't God want this from her? He's trying to keep her down. She deserves this. It's what we all do. We go down the road of our own sinful thoughts and Satan's like, great, keep going. You're doing a great job. I just need to encourage you to doubt God's goodness, to deny God's holiness. In the movie, uh, Last Days in the Desert, starring Ewan McGregor as Jesus, Jesus in that movie goes into the wilderness. It's a story that's based on Matthew chapter four. And in the movie, Satan uh, shows up tempting the Jesus character, but Satan is played by Ewan McGregor. And he looks and is dressed just like Jesus. Who So Satan is talking to Ewan McGregor as Ewan McGregor playing Jesus. So basically what's happening is both of them are there and you're not sure whether I'm looking at Jesus or Satan. And so it's Ewan McGregor playing Satan and Ewan McGregor playing Jesus, both dressed as Jesus. And I think in a way that the, uh, the director, the film writer is trying to get us to see the way that Satan really comes in into our own thought life, enters our own imagination and just says, yeah, what you're doing is great. Keep thinking that way. Because in it, in that, in that movie, the, the character of Satan is simply encouraging the Jesus character to think creatively about another possible way to bring the kingdom besides the cross. There's other ways. You know it, Jesus, you're powerful. Go that way. And Jesus is powerful. And he's come to bring a kingdom. He might as well go another way, right? But at each point, Jesus rejects Satan with truth, with the truth of who God is, not what he could creatively come up with. We pray, deliver us from evil, deliver us from the evil one. And so as Christians, we neither deny spiritual evil, nor do we blame Satan for our sin. Each one of us out of our own sinful desires does what we want to do. But also, we do not fear. We do not fear the evil one. Why not? Because Jesus did not give in. He did not give in in the wilderness or in Gethsemane or to Peter when Peter said, let's go a different way. He went to the cross. He fully trusted the Father and he obeyed the Father. And on the cross, Jesus confronted evil. He took the judgment and paid for our sin, for our sinfulness. And he overcame death to set us free. I love how in the communion liturgy that we do most weeks, and some of you have heard this recently when we've done backyard communions, we pray this prayer that is articulating the gospel in the communion liturgy. And it says this, in obedience to your will, he, Jesus, stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once and for all that by his suffering and death we might be saved. 
By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. That's the gospel. That is the good news. And so we actually fight temptation and the evil one with the gospel. We don't diminish God's holiness and say, well, he doesn't care if I do this or not. God died for your sins. Jesus dies to pay for your sin on the cross. He cares about holiness. But we also don't deny God's goodness. He's not trying to withhold anything from you. God loves you. God loves me enough to die for you, to die for me. Nor do we doubt God's omnipotence, his power. He conquered death. He conquered and trampled on Satan. And so as we're wrestling with temptation, we go to the gospel. We let that sink deep into us. The holiness and goodness of God, our own sinfulness and need of grace. The love and mercy of God, the extension of his purposes for us in Jesus Christ. And the conquering hope of the resurrection, that there is no sin or suffering or death that will overcome us. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And so we do not fear. Satan has lost. Evil does not win. Jesus said, it is finished. And he meant our sin and he meant Satan. God Almighty alone is creator, judge, and Lord. And so we give ourselves to the one who died for us. And we pray, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. We're going to take a moment, a minute to reflect. Um, this is a segment that we're doing after each sermon, after each message, to reflect on how God would speak to us. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to spend a minute reflecting on what we've just listened to and, and been talking about. And here's what I want you to ask in that time of reflection. How are you tempted to redefine Jesus on your own terms? Where are you following your agenda or another's agenda and redefining Jesus on your own terms? And where do you need to give that up in confession? And where are you living in fear and not trusting that he is Lord and he has already finished the work and it is one? Let me pray and then we'll go into a time of reflection. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms on the cross to take our sin, to conquer death, to trample Satan, hell, and evil underfoot. We live in a time of trial and temptation to turn from you and trust ourselves. Lord, enable us to believe that you are the Christ, the Lord, the Savior. And so lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Let's go to our time of reflection.